Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. Grab your passport because we're flying over the Atlantic Ocean to Sheffield, England, the home of modern football. Our guest, Ann Slater Brooks, is a fellow travel blogger and absolutely loves her hometown because of its picturesque countryside. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Sheffield. Let's start the show. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. This episode is brought to you in part by Creditland.com. Creditland analyzes all the credit card offers available to search for the best deals so they can bring you the cards with the biggest bonuses, lowest interest rates, and the best benefits. I use travel cards extensively to lower our family's travel expenses and trust Creditland to help me know whether I should jump on the offer or just let it go. Visit wetravelthere.com forward slash creditland for more details. Hey, Anne, how are you doing today? Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, it's fantastic here in Nashville. So, you know, a lot of people, uh, when they think of England, they think of London and Manchester and some other, other cities. But today we're talking about Sheffield. So what's your connection to Sheffield? So I moved to Sheffield about 12 years ago to be with my husband. Um, I'm originally from West Yorkshire, but it's only about half an hour away, which to you guys is literally on my doorstep anyway. So I am a Yorkshire girl born and bred. Oh, nice. So when you think of Sheffield, what's like a word that you would use to describe it? Green. And that's the reason that I'm never going back to where I came from, because where I live, literally it's surrounded by forest, countryside, woodlands two minutes outside my house and I'll be in the woods and there's loads of reservoirs lakes and so on nearby so it's just it's a city with a gritty history but it's very easy to get into very picturesque countryside and that's what I absolutely love about it that's fantastic I when I was doing my research there's actually a river that runs through the town is that correct I believe there's two rivers, actually. One is the River Don, and the other one I cannot, for the life of me, remember the name of. But I go running along the river path because it's quite interesting sort of history around that area with all the steelworks and so on. Sheffield is actually, like, their nickname is, like, the Steel City. Yeah, which is probably not, like, top of my list of terms to describe a city if you want to encourage somebody to visit <laughs> and it kind of doesn't really describe it the way that I would describe the city however it is a part of our heritage you know Sheffield is renowned for steel if you look at some of the cutlery that you've got in your drawer the chances are it will have come from Sheffield at some point um, but also it's like got a big history in terms of like the military and building tanks and those kind of things which there's a slightly more negative side to it because we did get bombed quite heavily in World War II, but that's another story. Oh, for sure. Yeah, maybe we'll get into that later. But I think when I was looking at the the Welcome to Sheffield website, that actually the city is kind of converted from you know, more of the industrial side with the, with the steel to more now of an innovation side today. Yeah, no, that's interesting because I can't say that I'm massively aware of that. Having said that, the universities in Sheffield are huge and they have got like technology campuses and so on, but it's just not something that I'm really involved in or, you know, that familiar with. But certainly, I mean, the city has gone through huge restoration, renovations over the last 20 years. It's nothing like now what it was 20 years ago. Okay, so when people come to Sheffield, is there public transportation? Do they need a car? What's the best way to get around Sheffield? 
So I would say really they do need a car. Public transport in the UK is pretty good. So you could get around on trams, buses, trains. There is a very extensive travel system. But the places that I think are the best places to visit in and around Sheffield, it would be a lot easier if you did have a car because they're quite remote, some of these places. And so you could be waiting a long time if you're waiting for a bus. Oh, for sure. And and if people aren't really familiar with Sheffield, if you think of London, London's in the southern part of of the country. Sheffield's more in the middle uh, and actually probably about equidistant between the eastern border and the western border. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So from London, it's maybe sort of two and a half hours on a train north. Some people, if you're into football, will probably have heard of Manchester. Um, It's maybe an hour from Manchester, and it's probably another hour further north to go to York, which is a very touristy destination. But perfect, Sheffield's on the way. You could stop off, pop into Sheffield before you go on to York and other places like Edinburgh and so on. Oh, for sure. And and actually, in relation to London, like we were talking about, I was doing a little research and I found an article that said that you picked a good place to live because it's about 40% cheaper to live in, in Sheffield <laughs> than it is to live in London. Um, yeah, well, I, w- I wouldn't have known the exact figure, but it's definitely one of the things I like about living in the North because, as I was saying to you before, I do like to find a deal. And at the end of the day, I would rather spend my money on travel than on housing costs and all the other stuff. So yeah, it's a very good (laughs) reason to come north. (laughs) For sure. And you were talking about how green it is there. What's the weather like in Sheffield? Um, So we've had an unusual year this year. We've probably had one of the hottest years that I can remember. So it has been literally sunny pretty much all summer from the beginning of May to the end of August. And It's not been uncommon to have high 20s and 30s, but normally it's a temperate climate. So you will have cold or wet autumns, cold winters, and then a typical British summer, which might be reasonably warm, but it's not guaranteed, sadly. Oh, for sure. And for the listeners, when Anne said 20 to 30, that's in Celsius, not not Fahrenheit. So. That when we hear cool. in the US, when we hear 20 to 30, we're thinking, okay, where's the parka? And maybe we won't go outside today. Yeah. Whereas when we say 20 to 30, we're thinking, where's the paddling pole and get the barbie on? Uh, there we go. So, <laughs> so when people come to visit Sheffield, what are some of the best things to do? What do you like to do when you're, when people come to visit you? So I suppose the first thing, if in terms of the actual city centre itself, there's a really great place to visit in the city centre where you've got the Town Hall, which is a fabulous Gothic building. So it's very old, very imposing. It's a really stunning building. And around that, the whole area has been renovated. So there's an area called the Peace Gardens, which is always bustling in summer. There's always something going on there. So it may be music festivals. It might be, for instance, a festival called The Beach that takes place in August, where it's transformed into like a seaside town. At Christmas, you have Christmas markets there and sort of children's rides and little food stalls and so on. So it's quite a good central area with different things going on. But also near there, there is something called the Winter Gardens, which I love. It's like a huge sort of indoor botanical garden. It costs nothing to go into. It houses over two and a half thousand plants, and it's just a really pretty building. And the best thing about it, it's right next door to one of my favorite hotels and a superb champagne bar. Oh, nice. Which, uh, speaking of champagne, that sounds really good. Uh, what's the name yeah. of that hotel? 
That is St. Paul's. So it's a Mercury Hotel, but it's probably one of my favourites in Sheffield because you've got great views whichever side you are sleeping on. So you've either got a view of the Peace Gardens and the fountains beneath and all that stuff there, or you've got a view of the Winter Gardens. So it's just it's a fantastic location and the rooms are really nice and it's not expensive. <laughs> that sounds great. I mean, beautiful views and not expensive place to say that, you know, <laughs> yeah. sign me up. You can even get loyalty points from staying there. What a bonus. There we go. There we go. So for people that don't know, Anne and I both blog over at a site called boardingarea.com where we talk about airline miles and hotel points and using them to reduce your travel expenses. So we're all about the points. Absolutely. We were talking about gardens and, and everything like the winter garden, but in the research that I was doing over at Welcome to Sheffield, that there's a lot of other gardens there as well. There's the botanical gardens. There's a tropical butterfly house. And many other things. Have you been to those? Yeah, so not so much the Butterfly House, but the Botanical Gardens. They're fabulous. So they're only a couple of miles out of the city centre. And again, it's another place that puts on lots of different events. So throughout the summer, they'll have proms in the garden. They have opera events. They have like, I think it's an Halloween event. They also do a bonfire night event, which isn't a very British thing. So for those of you who aren't aware of bonfire night, It's a celebration that celebrates the fact that, I think it's about 400 years ago now, somebody tried to blow up the Houses of Parliament. So each year on the 5th of November, we sell floods of fireworks, have big bonfires and celebrate. And they put on a great sort of show down there at bonfire night time. Are they celebrating that it didn't blow, that they didn't blow up or that somebody tried to? Mm, It's more the fact that they tried to, I think. But who knows, 400 (laughs) years, stories get a little bit warped, don't they? Well, for sure. And, you know, if you have enough fireworks, maybe it might happen one of these years. Quite possibly. I like architecture, and and it's really just interesting for me. Like, I like when we go look at museums, I'd rather look at the building that the museum is in more than actually what's inside a lot of times. Oh, my God, that's so like me. (laughs) And I don't care what's inside it. I just love the buildings. Yeah, I'm like, I, I can appreciate that somebody's a great artist, but... I appreciate more these massive buildings that they did and, and uh, just how beautiful they look. And so a couple of the ones that I saw that just really stood out to me were the, the Chatsworth House and uh, the Sheffield Cathedral, and they just looked amazing. Oh, yeah. To be fair, they are beautiful, but I would also add further two to the mix there. So really close to where I live, about two or three miles away, there is a old stately home called Wentworth Woodhouse. And this is one of the largest privately owned stately homes in the UK. In fact, the facade is apparently twice the size of Buckingham Palace. It's got 365 rooms in it and five miles of corridor. So it's pretty big and it's absolutely stunning. It's like an old sort of Georgian mansion. Sadly, it's a bit derelict now. So you can go and just walk through the grounds for free. And every time I go there, it takes my breath away because it is stunning. But the house itself isn't open for people to go in. But if, like we've just said, we both love the buildings, it is. it really is breathtaking. And it's got a very fascinating history. Um, there's been quite a few family feuds in this house. There's all sorts of stuff gone on in terms of the families and the ownership, which just make it even more intriguing. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, when people fight like that, that's probably why the house is in such a bad shape inside, right? Because instead of spending the money to keep the house looking nice and, and keeping it up, they're probably spending it with the in the courts with the attorneys and everything else. Well, I did read something that said 
If you happen to have a spare forty-two million pound hanging around, you might just be able to buy it and renovate it. And I think it would make a perfect country house hotel or a spa. So if you've got some listeners that have got forty-two million hanging around, can you please send them over to do something with this property? Because it is stunning. It's got the most amazing ballroom inside it. I think what we'll need to do is uh, you and I, we can start a GoFundMe page. And if we can get $42 million, then uh, you and I will go and have these on it. And... <laughs> okay, then. It might take a while. <laughs> and so what was the other one that you said that there was a Wentworth house? And what was the other one? Yeah, well, there is another one very close to that called Wentworth Castle. And these are linked. So Wentworth Woodhouse was passed down through the generations and sadly one of the um, family members who felt he should have inherited it didn't inherit went off all embittered and bought this other property close by which is also stunning but to be fair it's not quite as impressive but he bought it really to try and stick his fingers up shall we say at the um, family that was still residing (laughs) in the other one and both of those properties are in absolutely stunning woodland you know they've both got great walks in them it's free to walk through the grounds there's follies and all little sort of buildings throughout the grounds it's just they're really fascinating places to visit and what I love where I live so many things that you can do that all my favorite things are free hey free stuff is good stuff in my book so there's one other thing that I want to talk about is I always like to find unique things in, in different cities that we visit. And I saw something called alpaca trek. So like, I guess there's a lot of alpacas in, in Sheffield. Oh my God. I wish I knew something about that, but sadly I have no idea. <laughs> That's okay. So we'll all include it in the show notes. So everything that we talk about with Anne and the research that I've done and the people from Welcome to Sheffield have given me. All those will be in the show notes and you know, maybe I'll have to come out to Sheffield and, and Anna and I will go check out the alpacas together. Okay, cool. I can tell you about something else that's quite interesting that's worth picking up though. So this is not alpacas, but maybe 30, 40 minutes away from Sheffield, there is a reservoir called Derwent Water, which is out in the Peak District. It's really pretty. Okay. And that actually was used back in the Second World War by the Dam Busters to practice their bombing. Oh, wow. So it's pretty cool. Sometimes in summertime, we go running around there and sometimes you'll be running around the reservoir and you actually see old planes flying over, recreating some of the events. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. It's always nice to see them kind of recreating the history and reliving those aspects of, you know, what makes it someplace unique. So one thing that we haven't talked about is the food of, of Sheffield. Are there places that you really love to eat or is there certain food that's like really unique to your area of, of the country? Um... I guess the only one that's really unique is Yorkshire pudding, which sounds like a dessert, but it isn't a dessert. And it's kind of a battered, it's really difficult to describe it actually, but it goes with Sunday lunch. So you have meat, vegetable, and you have Yorkshire pudding, which is a sort of batter that you put in the oven. My husband actually eats it with honey, which I find bizarre because to me, it's something that you have with vegetables. So that's probably the one thing that's unique to Yorkshire. But the UK does love a good curry. So my favorite place to eat is, well, there's a couple actually, but they are both curry houses because they're they're just fabulous curries. Oh, nice. So what what are the names of those? So one's in the center of town called Agra and the other is Akbar's, which is maybe three, four miles out of town. Nice. 
So obviously that's Indian. The, the curry is Indian food. And obviously yeah. for people that know the history of England and, and India, there's, there's a lot of connection between the two. So what other types of food is there in, in Sheffield as far as the, you know, maybe something that people should check out? Yeah, literally everything. So you will have Chinese, Indonesian. There's a lot of Indonesian restaurants, Thai restaurants, typical English kind of pub rub type food, Italian, pretty much any style of food you can think of, we will likely have it in the city. Nice. So obviously pubs are, are a strong thing that in the, the culture of, of England. And so what's like one of the favorite pubs that, that somebody should go to in, in town? Gosh, that's a really good question. When I'm going to town, I actually don't go to the pub. I just go to the champagne bar. Oh, okay. There is a pub. I'll have to send you the name because I can't think of it off the top of my head. There's a really, really old pub that's in the center of town, which is worth checking out just because it's so old and it's really quaint. Nice, nice. But yeah, we tend to go to the champagne bar or cocktail bars because we don't often go out in town. We tend to sort of just go to our little local village. There we go. And so... Beyond that, uh, you mentioned like some, some Thai food. Is there any place that you'd recommend for somebody who wants Thai? Yeah, so generally speaking, if you want a great place to go, which will give you every possible selection of food, there's a road called Ecclesall Road in Sheffield. So it's maybe like a two-mile strip, and on that road is literally every kind of conceivable restaurant, bar, wine bar, pub that you can imagine. That's probably the best place for somebody to go to this new to the city or just wants to see what's on offer because you can literally walk up the old street and just try out lots of different types of cuisine well that's good I, my wife she's you know more of like a grazer than somebody that will just sit down and, and eat a lot so i think she would like to be able to just pop into one place get a little appetizer go to someplace else get a little drink and appetizer and just kind of move on down the street that way instead of just picking one and having to settle for like a, a multi-course meal you could definitely do that Right on. So all the things that Anna and I have been talking about, we're going to have them in the show notes. Uh, you know, Anne's going to get me a couple more of those names and we'll include them there as well. So, but now it's time for the final countdown. And if somebody came to visit Sheffield and they had time for just one meal, where should they go and what should they eat? They should go to Akbar's and they should have Sagalu. Okay. What is Sagalu? So Sagalu is like um, a spinach and cauliflower based Indian dish and it's just spiced to perfection. Oh wow. Is it something that you need to have like a, a glass of milk candy to, to kind of quench the fire or is it is Possibly. It just, okay. <laughs> it would be advisable. All right. Yeah, because I know that you know Indian food they with the curry they love to get the little spice going and and uh, my sensitive stomach's not ready for that sometimes and I gotta be prepared. To be fair they are usually very good in our Indian so you can say I have family members that just don't like it really spicy so you can ask them to dumb down the taste okay. yeah but i quite like it hot i like a little bit of fire but i you know i, I know my limits right <laughs> <laughs> so what's one of your most memorable stories of being in sheffield this is going to sound really uninteresting but i actually love afternoon tea at the leopold hotel so this is like a little boutique hotel in the center of town but it's really cool because it used to be a school, so a Victorian school. They've, rent, they've kept all the old Victorian features, so they've still got the school pegs in the hallway. They've still got all the sort of wood panelling in the like um, kind of ballroom, if you like. But they do this fabulous afternoon tea, so everything looks really cool, really pretty little um, 
sandwiches and cakes and so on and it's really reasonably priced I think it's about £25 a person or something so it's just a nice way to sort of spend a chilling afternoon no that sounds great I love when they repurpose old buildings like that and kind of keep the decor of what it used to be and then just kind of create a new unique you know, kind of twist to it basically oh it's gorgeous that building and it is smack bang in the centre of town oh nice nice Obviously, there's there's a lot of fun that goes on there. You like the champagne. Where would the, 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 the happiest happy hour be in town? Well, a place that I've discovered recently is actually at the Hampton by Ilton Hotel. And it's not the most exotic of destinations, if you like, but they've got a fantastic bar in there that does superb cocktails. And they're also doing a Manhattan to Midnight special. It is once a month where they have a singer that comes along and the idea is that it coincides with payday for most people. And they do <laughs> deals on the cocktails and the meals and so on. So I think that's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of times, you know, here in America, you know, you think of the Hampton and you're thinking, okay, it's like near the airport or yeah. something like that. But it sounds like they've really put a nice twist on it. And, yeah, it uh, made is a it- little bit on the outskirts of town, so it's not quite as close to the centre, but when I say on the outskirts, I mean maybe 10 minute walk, so oh, it's certainly yeah. not beyond walking distance. Well, one thing I didn't ask, when people are getting around there, obviously you, you might need a car when you're going out and, and checking out some of the different manors or other things, but when you're actually in town, is it very walkable or is it something that you can just, do they have Uber in, in Sheffield? Uh, we do have Uber, but it is very walkable. So the sort of main town area you could easily walk. If you were to go to Eccles Old Road that I mentioned for the like restaurants and so on, you might want to get an Uber. You could walk it, but it's going to be maybe 20, 25 minutes to walk up there. But equally, there will be a ton of buses that take you up that road because it's kind of the in place to go out. Okay. Yeah, I'm just th- I'm just trying to think of a, if we're going to be drinking at a happy hour and everything <laughs> yeah. else, you know, I want to make sure I can leave my car behind and, and uh, find it find an equally public transportation or take an Uber. I wouldn't recommend driving in the city centre in Sheffield. Parking can be quite the right. There is parking, but it's expensive and it can be difficult to come by. So I would suggest leaving the car at the hotel and you know walking or getting a bus. Perfect. That sounds great. So the last question is. You know, whenever I travel, I like to have pizza. Where's the best place to get pizza in Sheffield? I had to think about this, but it's probably a place called Mama Leone's. It's literally just kind of behind the town hall, in right in the centre of town, and it's just a little Italian place. But it's a very traditional Italian place. It's not one of these chain places, and it does great service, great food. So I've never had a bad meal in there. So I would probably suggest going there. Okay, that sounds great because... I'm not the pizza queen, though. <laughs> it's all right. That's all right. You know, I, I like pizza, but my wife, Anna, she gets tired of having pizza all the time. And so she wants, oh. to, be able to, she wants to be able to eat like an adult. And the, the fact that they have a nice, uh, you know, kind of full Italian menu will make her happy for sure. Oh, yeah, they definitely do that. Well, nice. Well, Anne, thanks again for being on the show. You've shared so many wonderful things about Sheffield. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about being able to, to come out there and visit you and, and see everything in person. Tell everybody a little bit about you and what it is that you do and how people can reach you. So I'm Ansledge Brooks. I'm from travelthegloveforless.com. Now, some people seem to think that that means that I talk about budget travel, which is actually not the case at all. 
I talk a lot on my blog about how to use airline rewards and hotel rewards to really travel the world in more style than I personally would like to pay for. Um, I will also share my own travel tips and travel stories. Um, But I effectively moonlight as a travel bugger, and by day I work in financial services. So I have two lives. Yeah, it's tough to kind of taking one hand off and, and putting the other hat on sometimes, especially because it, you have finance and, and writing and, and talking about travel. Sometimes those are almost different sides of the brain, right? They are, but it's actually amazing how they sort of overlap in many ways because now I end up talking to clients about ways to market their business and ways to generate new business opportunities. And a lot of it is actually stuff that I've learned through running my blog. That's perfect. You know, you got to take the lessons you learn from one aspect of your life and then implement them elsewhere. And then that way you can kind of supersize things. Yeah. If somebody's looking at to contact you, obviously going to the website, uh, where should they find you on social media? So they can find me on Twitter at TT globe for L. I'm also on Facebook at travel the globe for less. Occasionally I can be found on Instagram and you can also find me on flip which I'm quite liking at the moment. I'm having a good play with Flipboard. That sounds great. Again, everybody, everything we talk about is going to be in the show notes. Thanks again, Anne. It's a pleasure talking to you and I'm looking forward to visiting Sheffield. Yeah, come on over and thanks for having me. Sheffield is a mix of nature and modern industry. They've upgraded from manufacturing steel to becoming a city of innovative technology today. I love that it's surrounded by woods, reservoirs, and lakes perfect place to connect with nature. What is the favorite thing you learned about Sheffield? Please let us know in the show notes at wetravelthere.com forward slash Sheffield or log into the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook. Join us in the next episode when Brandon Nath explains why Krakow, Poland is Europe's most underrated destination. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts about travel, I suggest checking out my good friend Ed Pizza's show called Miles to Go. Ed and his guests break down the latest travel news with a focus on credit card rewards and loyalty programs in his weekly 30-minute show. Let me know what you think.